Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life, bringing you another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. And I am excited and honored today to introduce my guest. I have with me here in studio today, Mr. Bill Holterstrom. Say hello, Bill. Good day. (laughs) It is, isn't it? It's outstanding. And uh, just so people know who you are and what the context of this is, I heard you speak at a community event not too long ago where you said some things that really caught my attention. And Bill, you are the CEO, the president of the United Way, the Utah County United Way. That is correct. Am I doing okay so you're far? You're doing great. And you're also adjunct faculty at Brigham Young University, teaching in the Romney Institute of Public Management, working primarily with nonprofit uh, courses and teaching people how to manage that sort of thing. Absolutely true. So... Here you are on Live On Purpose Radio today. The thing that inspired me to call you is some things that you shared in that public address that you gave not too long ago where I was also speaking, and we got to know each other just a little bit afterwards, and it occurred to me that this is something I want my listeners to hear. You were talking about literacy, and you're a literacy expert, right? I do not claim to be a literacy expert in any way. But I except to, that you can read. Except that I can read. There you go. But I claim that I know community, and I know how to get people mm-hmm. involved in the community and have learned from many years of experience of what we in the community can do as citizens and neighbors to change the world. So some of our listeners might not be completely aware of what the United Way is. Can you give us just a brief overview of that, and then the context will make more sense I'd about be happy what we're going to talk about. There are about 1,400 United Ways in this country each independent, trying to find the best way to solve the communities, solve problems in their communities, okay. involving issues around education, income, and health. By the way, since this could be an international audience, there are also literally um, hundreds of United Ways now in many countries around the world. So it is, there's a net, network called United Way Worldwide, and I'm the CEO of the local United Way here in Utah County, Utah. Okay. So some of what you're going to be sharing with us is specific to Utah County in Utah. That we, we some of this is just Utah County, though some of the research is national and international research, and okay. most of the data that I'll share will actually show that the data I'm referring to is probably more optimistic than many communities around America. Mm. Which, and I know what you're going to share, so I'm thinking about that, and ah, uh, that's a little scary. It's it's really quite frightening to realize that we have more control over the future than we often try to pretend to, that is true. The future is not governed by mm. someone else in, some other, in, the, in a capital of the country or by some leader somewhere, that we actually have more control over the future of our own neighborhoods and communities than we often give ourselves credit for. In fact, that's the only place where it can really meaningfully change. And I think that's absolutely true. And if you do some of the reading of history, if you read the great book, um, Democracy in America by Alexis de Tocqueville, mm-hmm. he discovered back in the 1800s that what made America unique and great was our ability on the local level to get together to solve problems. Mm. And that was a uniquely an American concept. 
that I yeah. think is not lost today, but will be lost if we don't re-engage. And if we don't open our eyes to our own potential impact on things that are going on right under our noses. Okay, so let's get into this. Okay. Okay. When, when you were speaking, you identified, and I've already, I've already kind of introduced it by talking about literacy. Okay, but you identified this as one of the areas that is often overlooked in terms of how we can get involved, how we can make a difference in our communities. So could you share with us and with the listeners a little bit about where we're going? I'd be glad to. The, um, what we're discovering in, as we start doing, doing research and exploring our communities, that there are a few activities or a few um, kind of points that if we, if we hit this tipping point of a particular issue, we change many things down the line. And literacy right. is one of those issues that we did, that you almost say, well, of course I know that, but let me give you some just some random little kind of information here. Okay, there are some states in this country who predict high school graduation rates, not high school graduation rates, but predict incarceration rates based on third grade reading scores. Okay, hold on. They predict incarceration rates, so they're figuring out how many prisons to build, how many beds to put in them, based on. Incarceration rates third based grade on third grade reading, reading scores. The, wow. the, the more micro research done most recently, done just this last fall by the Annie Casey Foundation, a very respected foundation, is that if you are not reading at grade level at third grade, you have a four time, fourfold increased chance of not graduating from high school. If okay. you happen to be low income, so think of our current economy, if you happen to be low income, that chance of failure increases to be a six time greater chance of not graduating from high school. And that's if you're reading below grade below level and, at, at, and, and low at a income. lower income. At third grade. Wow. So, so third grade, I remind you, third grade, that's, that's seven or eight years old. Yeah, that's nine years before these kids are going to be scheduled to graduate. Absolutely. And what's even more interesting, if you start backing this up a little bit, is that there's some other research that seems to show that we're predicting how well kids do in third grade all the way back in kindergarten. So, mm. so not, it's not something that we can't recover from some of these things, but the third right. grade reading scores becomes the, the measurement and the predictor of so many things. Mm. And I mean, let me just add to those list of things that, that, predi- that I can predict. Okay. And, and I think you'll discover, as, as we said, is that you think intuitively say, well, yeah, that makes sense. So we can certainly say that third grade reading scores would then, if it's going to predict high school graduation rates, Mm-hmm. That means it would mm-hmm. have to predict poverty rates. Because the high school graduation is, is tied to poverty. Absolutely. So yeah. we affect poverty rates. Okay. We affect substance abuse, rate, substance abuse rates. Makes we sense. affect even domestic violence rates mm-hmm. because of poverty and those, those tie-ins. Um, you go on and on. You affect health quality. There's a real correlation, as we know later on, between income and health. So right. if we, we can affect income, health, poverty, substance abuse, incarceration rates, safety in your community, all based. Well, I was going to say crime has to be tied into well, that. Crime somewhere. is absolutely tied into that. Yeah. All based on third grade reading scores. We know that, that if kids drop out of high school, their chance of being in the juvenile um, system for crime is much greater. The percentages are just oh, it, higher. It's, it's remarkable. Yeah. The number of people who are in our prison systems in America that are not literate is a significantly high percentage. So yeah. this issue okay. around literacy, uh, 
has is one of those issues that we all can do something about and that affects so many aspects of our quality of life of not only us, but of our neighbors. Which, by the way, is another hmm. fascinating point. If yeah. I can just share this point here. I'm, I'm getting kind of passionate on this. Hmm. But the idea that if we don't affect the success of our neighbors or our neighbor's children, that will actually ultimately come back and affect our own successes and opportunities. That's if, right. if you go back and look at through all these negative things I just mentioned, you say, oh, but my kid knows how to read. <clears throat> there are phenomenally the impact on the cost of society and to me is significant if I'm not also concerned about the quality of life for my neighbor and my neighbor's children. I think way too often we disconnect ourselves from that. Where we say, well, like you were saying, my kid knows how to read. I'm doing my part. And, and I would bet you that most of your listeners, their kids are likely to be great readers. Folks, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably on top of things. And that's what I think we're discovering is that there is a part of our society who is, they're falling behind. The trending is showing that that falling behind is not in many communities the direction we want it to go. Certainly, that the, if we're finding some communities that are addressing these issues, the climb of improvement is not climbing as steep as we want it to. And there's lots of reasons why it may not climb as quickly as you want it to. But the first point I wanted to say is that we have to be aware that there are things that need to be addressed and that we have the power to address them. And this is not just about your own kid. Not our own kid. I might add, it. you can start with your own kids. Yep. You can also go on sure. and start with your neighbor's kids. But you can also worry about your grandkids. And that's that, a good point. That we often, I think, as society is, tries to bond around its families, mm-hmm. I think there are certain issues that we have often neglected to talk about, and that would be including this whole topic of reading and supporting each other on reading. Mm-hmm. I have found it just in recent times, and it drives my, my teenagers crazy that I do this. But if I happen to run into a, a young child, basically any child under 14, I will ask them what their favorite book to read is. Mm -hmm. It's amazing the dialogues you can have and how much you can learn about your community by learning to ask that simple question, hey, what's your favorite book? You've got some stories about that. I've got some fun stories about that. Let me share with one story here that that I I say almost in embarrassed ways, and I could say my teenage daughter would die if I said this. You heard me say, talking about people (laughs) like this. But I, was, I had a chance to be at an airport a while back. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a, our flight was delayed by several hours. Mm-hmm. So I had a chance to talk to a young girl who was needing some distractions. So I just started asking her, hey, hey what's your favorite book to read? And, and young, and you're talking? She was a, approaching second grade. No, first, oh, okay. first grade, first grade. First grade. First grade. She's approaching first grade. Perfect. And it was in the summertime, so she was going to go into first grade in the fall. As I asked her that question, a well-loving grandmother said, oh, 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 stop, stop. We don't, we don't really talk about that in our family. And I thought, okay, maybe really? there's a reading problem here. So I was trying, so I, I went, oh, so I thought, well, I'll try to get myself out of the hole I just dug. And said, well, uh-huh. oh, but is there a favorite book that mom or dad or grandma liked to read to you? Mm. I got the same response. And I thought, this isn't just a this fascinating is... response. Uh-huh. And that really scared me when I started doing some more thinking about it and learning about this family. This was a family who came from a fi- their background. They were, they were not impoverished. Um, it would have mm. been considered a very stereotypical family in a community like ours. Okay. I have a good part to this story. Uh, about it was 
two months later, I happened to run into this. I was at a banquet, oh. and a woman sat down next to me and started shaking her finger at me. Uh-oh. And I thought, uh-oh, you're right. Yeah. I thought, uh-oh, what do I do? And she said, you, you're the one who talked to me about reading. I thought, uh-oh, she's going to really chew yeah, on me. You for you probably in, were that guy. For, I was that guy. You're absolutely <laughs> right. I was that guy. Yeah. And she goes, wait, I need to tell you something. I'm thinking, uh-oh. She said, hey, we've been, my husband and I have been thinking about what you said about reading. And we realized that the, my young granddaughter's mother has not found the time or passion to read to her mm-hmm. kid, her own child, child. So we as grandparents have said that we're going to, every other day, go read at that home. Wow. So that story has two so, principles there. So the sensitivity that she had was because they weren't doing this. Absolutely. And it's hard to be, and I was trying to be nice about it. Yeah. But it's hard to realize that maybe there's something more we really can do. But there's two learning here. One mm. is just by talking about it can make a difference. And the second is that the mm. solutions are remarkably simple. Mm-hmm. Since I should tell yeah. you, since I shared this story, I have now found, I probably found probably a, a dozen or so grandparents who have come up to me and said, hey, we're doing the same thing in our family. Mm-hmm. In fact, I have a, mm-hmm. a sweet retired physician and his wife who live in my neighborhood who have said, hey, we're going to each one of our, our siblings, our ch- children's houses once mm-hmm. night a week, and we're doing reading and tutoring to all their school-age children. Oh, you know what? And the, the other thing I like about this is the relationships that are formed. In fact, you know what? These kids, it makes a huge difference to them to know that they are important, that well, they're important to an adult. Well, you're hitting the other research that you read in, in the book, um, What Kids Need to Succeed, by the Search Institute, is that the simple fact, the more adults that know a, name, a child by name and call them by a name, the greater chance of their success is. Wait, wait, wait. Say that again. The more children, the more adults that call a child by their first name. They know and that, use their name. name. That is a predictor of success in children. So it's not just the Johnson kid or... Not just the Johnson kid or the Jones boy. It or, is, or Bill and Leonard's there's, There is daughter. Steve who, hey, Steve, how are you doing? Hey, Tom, how are you doing? Hey, Susie, how are you doing? And then if you go beyond wow. that from just pure intuition by my stories is ask him a probative question of... How was school? What's your favorite book? Any of those kind of things can help. What have you been reading lately? Absolutely. Mm. Engage with the children in our neighborhoods. Oh, okay, so, so Bill, we're here talking about how to really get involved in a community, in a neighborhood, to make a difference, to serve, to volunteer. And you're just saying, we can start with something pretty simple. To know these kids by name... And then to get them thinking about particularly literacy. Absolutely. And I know some, I know that for many neighbors, it's hard to get to know the children's names. I'm glad that in some mm. environments that they now have photo directories that you can pull off, whether it be mm-hmm. in some church group, you can pull off photo directories of the children. Right. Do that. If not, create your own. Mm-hmm. Um, but just that knowledge, when you happen, if you happen to be going to church on Sunday and see a child in the hallway, smile and say hello to them. Mm-hmm. By name. It's amazing the power of that. And by the way, it helps to have a good relationship with their parents too, so then they know that you're not like you, just you're, weird. You're hitting a great point that <laughs> I have. I think what happened as we started becoming aware of that every adult is not safe, we've become mm-hmm. overly protective. I think with good wisdom and judgment, we will know 
and find ways to be involved in children's lives that can that is safe that parents don't have to worry about that by knowing the parents that we really can still create a very protective environment. Yeah, and creating those relationships where you can start to then make a really meaningful difference. That's right. We'll be right back. This is Kirk Weasler to tell you about morebetterbooks.com. MoreBetterBooks.com is where you can find more better books for a more better life. Not only that, let me tell you about some of the very fun and cool select titles on MoreBetterBooks.com. You'll want to get a copy of The Dog Poop Initiative. This best-smelling book could change your life forever. It certainly changed the lives of thousands of Boeing employees, as well as school teachers, parents, leaders across the United States and in Israel and in Germany. And you can get your own copy at MoreBetterBooks.com. Whoa, that's not all. What about The Cookie Thief? This classic tale told in a rhyming format, fully illustrated with very fun hit messages. Pick up a copy now today on morebetterbooks.com. Other great titles there, Finding Your Pathway to Mastery, Beyond Illusions, Make It Great. These titles are only available on morebetterbooks.com. Go to morebetterbooks.com today and begin to have a more better life and live that life on purpose. Thank you for joining me for the Live On Purpose radio podcast. It is truly an honor to be a part of your prosperity team. Please visit the website, drpaul.org, where you will be able to sign up for Empower, a quick, inspiring message that will be sent right to your inbox several times a month. Click on the blog link to share your comments and be part of the discussion. You can also pick up powerful information products and stay in touch with upcoming events all to assist you in creating and living a life that you love. Share Live On Purpose Radio with someone in your life today, and thanks for listening. The first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. The last is to say thank you. In between, the leader is a servant. Max Dupree Welcome back. So we've been having a good conversation here, Bill, about about literacy, about how I think you mentioned that the incarceration rates are predicted or forecasted through looking at third grade reading levels in any given community. How are we doing? Um, literacy is surprising, actually. Here in the community that I live in here, we have discovered that three out of 10 third graders are not reading at grade level. Three three out out of of 10. 10. So in our county here of Utah County, that would mean about 2,500 students are not at grade level. Okay. So if I put it, so that's 2,500 students whose chance of struggling for the rest of their life have already been identified by third grade here. Okay. So that means that if you, if we do nothing for another three years, that then a total of four years, mm-hmm. that's 10,000 students okay. that we've just talked about. So the thing that happens if we have 10,000 students who, have, who are in higher in poverty, mm-hmm. struggling more likely in health, 
we're likely to have literally be in our incarceration system. You can imagine what the, the cost of society is. Mm-hmm. But beyond the cost of society, I guess I'm the optimist that says, we're talking about a third grader. We mm-hmm. ought to be able to help out and change that direction at third grade. You'd think, huh? And not, okay, let just, I'll just be happy and let 10,000 um, students fail. That makes no sense. And these numbers I share, we're better than many, many if not most communities in America with these numbers I just shared. So, so really, the literacy rates in any given community, and it's going to go up and down in different places, but this is somewhat representative, if not optimistic. It's not optimistic. And if you wanted, there's an interesting tool online that you can go to. If you want to Google Common Good Forecaster, you'll actually find mm. the tool that if you move, increase your graduation rate in your town, what does, the, what does that do to all these other issues in our community? Mm. You'd be amazed what that does. So this, this, this issue I'm making yeah. up is fact-based, research-based, and the numbers we're talking about are real people, real children. Oh, okay. So this is a real problem. It's happening in, in our community right here. And Bill and I are in the same community. We live here in Utah County. But there's, there's the same problem happening everywhere. This problem has happened everywhere, and if, the, if your number is, in our case, it's 30% of our children in third grade. Okay. If your number is even only 20%, I still would worry about those 20%, but more likely your number is going to be higher than 30% in most communities in America. From the ones you've looked at. Yes. Okay. So we've got to wrap around somehow to what are we going to do about this, and how can people actually get involved? You've got some let good me, examples. Let me, let me stop with one other thing first here, if I can. Okay. I think that will help set the stage here for this. Sure. If we, we all know that we have tight budgets in America these days. Mm. If we sit back and wait for the federal government or the state government or local government to pump more money in to solve this problem, we may be waiting for an awful long time. There's just something flawed about that thinking anyway. But it's to, a very common thought. It is. It is very common for us to sit back and say, well, somebody's going to do something. Or they, this famous they they. should do something about this well who who is that and i guess i'm here to say that the they is us it's us and that this that us the we the people do not need lots of money to respond to many of these ideas that i'm talking about i had a good friend who who said it this way she said the troops aren't coming we are the troops well stated and that's that is immediately relevant to what we're talking about here Absolutely. And let me just give you okay. some, if, if, if I can give you, I mean, I think of, I love senior citizens. And I think if you think of that stereotypical grandmother with that sparkle in her eye that we all know, mm-hmm. let me talk about a couple of them for a second to say what that, if so, if that 75 or 80 year old grandmother can do something, I bet you those of us who do not have quite that much age can also mm-hmm. do something. Mm-hmm. So let me give you some examples of that. I ran into a woman a couple of weeks back who has found the vision of this whole passion of reading. So she's invited all of her neighbor kids with the permission of their parents to every time they finish a book, they come over to her house and she gives them a chocolate chip cookie and milk and asks them about the book they just read. (laughs) Talk about an amazing win-win here. You know what I really like about that story? The chocolate chip cookie? The cookie, absolutely. (laughs) But that, you know what we're doing is pairing up something that is inherently reinforcing to a child with something else that takes a little bit of experience to learn 
which will become reinforcing the child as they learn to love to read. So I know we have many seniors who who reach out to young children in their neighborhoods, but adding this little element about reading in the books makes that already phenomenal love even more impactful. Mm, that's right. So and what we're talking about here is not having to necessarily find that extra three hours in the day or an hour in the day. We can often incorporate this into things that we're already doing. Sure. Let me, can I give you a few more examples here? Absolutely. And Let can me. I observe also before we move on to the next example? She probably knows their names. Oh, I bet you she does. Okay. Just wanted to underscore And that. yes, I, I, I am hungry for those cookies now. <laughs> the, um, I have another acquaintance that I have, a neighbor, who um, lost one of their children after a tough experience. And she decided, well, I'm still going to share my talents that I have for caring. And she started a homework club in her home three afternoons a week for five or six neighborhood families who she knew just needed some extra attention. Mm-hmm. So she would do reading and she'd do math. And fortunately, her husband was very good at math. Mm-hmm. But they just started a fun homework club in their home. They didn't need any licenses. They just did this as neighbor to neighbor and mm-hmm. had an amazing success. Think wow. how many of us have those kinds of talents to share. Mm-hmm. Let me let me go on to that. Yeah. If if your family is like my family, we collected all of our we kept all these children's books saying, oh, but when we have grandkids, in yeah, and how many sure. years that will be, by the way. Yeah, we got a when, shelf of those. Yeah. What if we started loaning those out now to some of our neighbor kids? What if we mm. just started making a habit of sharing kids' books and passion? giving mm-hmm. them away, sharing them, or even just loaning them out. Why have these books, children's books, get stuck in a closet when you can be sharing them with your neighbor's kids now? And with it, ideally, you can even say, hey, oh, th- you're in third grade now? Oh, when my son was in third grade, this was his favorite book. Would you be interested in looking at this? Mm-hmm. That alone can make a difference. I was right. one of those naive fathers who thought that a book here and a book there would do it. Until I watched my wife just learn that you go to the library and bring back a basket of books at a time. Yeah. So with our young kids, learning and sharing and engaging mm-hmm. is possible. I have sure. a, a banker friend who heard me talk about this and started a reading corner in the branch of his bank. Just for kids to for come kids in and read. For kids to come in and read. And so, you know, while mom and dad are printing out those loan papers, they added a very cool little corner where kids could read. That is cool. I can give you quite a few examples now of people in town who've just added those little reading corners in a corner of a church foyer, in a Mm -hmm. corner of a a doctor's office. And Mm -hmm. I might add, in that book corner, you put the best pillows and the best stuff so that you're reinforcing that reading is important. You know what? I was just thinking of a personal example. This is from my own family. My dad... Has, has long understood, I think, that it's important for kids to read. And so he's taken a really active role with his grandkids. And my son over here might remember uh, some things that he's done in the past. One year, he did this promotion for all of the grandkids, whoever wanted to take it on. It was 100 books for 100 bucks. Wow. And he decided it was worth it to him. And he's wanting to spoil the kids and stuff anyway, right? He decided it was worth it to him to see his grandkids reading, and if they would read a hundred books and have that signed off by their parents, he was doing some thinking there too. 
A wise man. That he would give any of his grandkids that finished that challenge a hundred bucks. Wow. And I think he gave out five or six of them. And I think four of them came from my house. Fantastic. Well, we're talking about grandparents. Let me give you another thought there. In today's world, the chance of your grandkids being nearby is the chance they live across country is significant. And they can live on yeah, a different continent Yeah, more so than today. it used to be, I think. Mm-hmm. Don't, there's still things you can do about reading. Let me give you an idea here. Oh, yeah. You can, let's first talk about Christmas presents. Okay. So when you give away, when you send, a lot of grandparents send books to Christmas, their kids. Mm-hmm. What if they kept the same copy for themselves? And then over the telephone, or even more fun, over Skype. Skype. I thought you were going to get to that. Read. And so I can give you some examples of grandparents who have the kids on one end with a book, and they're reading via Skype with that same book on the other end. How fun. And if you don't know what Skype is, go to Skype.com. It's a free service. It's a video call. How amazing is it? And it's, it's free. You can talk to any. My son is in Sweden. We talked to him for a half hour on Skype, face to face. My Amazing. mother in her eighties used Skype. Yeah, Skype is easier than many other technologies, but there are ways that you can do that, and there are ways that you can do it. Oh, let me give you another one. That a, mm-hmm. a mother was giving me this idea. We were brainstorming. So you're trying to establish a Christmas tradition around reading. Around giving. They wanted to have a giving thing. Mm-hmm. And there are activities on Christmas Eve, so it's really hard to collect gifts and go give them out. Sure. So they're going to start bringing their favorite children's book to their Christmas Eve activity. And then, Perfect. after they share some story about those favorite children's books, they're going to donate those books to a local community program that needs those books. Awesome. So these examples, and hopefully this gets you thinking... Just think through, what can I do to touch the lives of some children as it relates to literacy? There's There's going to be a million things you can do. I've got to tell you about my friend Lisa here. Okay. Lisa is an administrator of a large organization here in town. Mm -hmm. And she heard me speak, and she came to me and said, I have an idea. There's a single mom in my neighborhood who I know doesn't have time to do much reading. Mm -hmm. What if I went over there two or three times a week and read to these kids? And the kids' ages run from eight from eighteen months to ten years of age. Mm. She says she is having so much fun that she can't wait to go back the next night to finish the, off that book where they left off last. Right, especially with the older kids. Oh, and she said the younger kids, she's having a chance to re-explore her youth by going through all these great picture books. So you don't even have to go over to the United Way and sign up a form or volunteer officially to do any of this stuff. And correct. But that doesn't mean that there aren't opportunities in a more formal structure. So if you if you're retired, yes, and talk about that. If alone. you're retired and if you have time, most schools in America and certainly almost every school in Utah County can use volunteers who will consistently read and tutor and mentor young children. So That's if right. you if you have the time for these families that you don't have access to otherwise, volunteering one day a week or two days a week, an hour each time, can have a phenomenal impact. But let me give you a warning here. It's addicting. Uh, As you being the, the professional <laughs> that you are know about addictions. Oh, yeah. But I will tell you that if you volunteer for two hours twice a week or an hour twice a week, you'll be amazed how quickly you want to make that into three hours. Mm-hmm. And you'll be amazed how you're looking forward to it more than the kids are. So mm-hmm. virtually every school has that opportunity. And there are volunteer centers in most parts of the community in the world or United Ways that you can call or go on their website 
mm-hmm. and learn more about this. In our community, it's the website everydaylearners.org. Everydaylearners.org. Okay, and that's specifically for Utah County. And we'll have tools for, in general, information and tools there. Okay. And we'll keep adding to it. But you'll find similar programs throughout the country. But I guess my whole point is that most of us know some of the basics. Mm -hmm. Let me give you one other thing that I keep reminded by some of my research friends in the School of Education at Brigham University. For most children, them choosing a book that they love matters more than just the content or the award that that book has received. Oh, yeah. So it does not require special knowledge and skills to choose a book for a child. Mm-hmm. It's just what is their passion. If they love dinosaurs, then read about dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. If they love adventure, then read about adventure. And that is just fine at these young ages. Mm-hmm. Have, them, have it be enjoyable. Have it be fun. And that's the key right there, because if it's fun, they will continue it, and they'll have a natural thirst to, to increase their knowledge and their literacy. And as you probably know also, probably better than I do, that learning to read will do more than just learn how to read. Mm. You develop into confidence, a security, not to mention the time with an adult creates that security and that discovery of self. So there are many other reasons why this is actually good as well, beyond just that literacy. I think, I think it might have been you that said this. I remember hearing that up through about grade three, you learn to read. And after that... You read to learn. You read to learn. Absolutely true. And that's why it's so crucial for all of these other elements that we've talked about and for success in life. So if you really care about your community, and why wouldn't you... <laughs> This is a way that you can get involved in a very meaningful way very quickly. You don't have to have specialized skills. You just have to have a care in your heart for your own life and for the lives of those around you. What a great opportunity. And this teaching happens at home, in the churches, in the grocery store. Mm -hmm. As you're reading the labels on a grocery box of cereal, that's teaching reading. That's right. So hopefully this conversation has given you some ideas about what you can do immediately. And Bill, you said that they can always contact their local either volunteer United Way or United or United Vi- Volunteer Center or your church or your school. There are so many ways. Just jump in and get involved. I want to give you the last word, Bill, as we're wrapping up. Besides this being addicting, I want this to be contagious. Oh, very good. <laughs> All right. You heard it. Go out there and live on purpose. <laughs>